to the Freewheeling Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey. Today, I'm handing the mic over to Amy Jones and Tilda to talk about mountain biking, to switch things up a little bit. There's not a ton of road racing going on at the moment, except for the European championships that happened over the weekend. It was won by Lorena Wiebus. There's no real surprise there, although it was a pretty close sprint between her and Elisa Balsamo. We'll talk all about that next week, but for this week, it's onto the dirt we go in anticipation of the mountain bike world championships that will be happening next weekend. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Amy and Tilda. Gracie Lauren and I will be back next week before I hand the mic over. This episode is brought to you by Zwift. The Zwift Academy is back on for another season. So if you know anyone who is really hoping to join the professional Peloton for the women, Canyon Stram is once again on the hunt for a rider who can earn their contract through Zwift. There's months worth of workouts that you can do on Zwift. Even if you aren't going for the contract, you can do the workouts anyway. It's really fun. I myself am participating in the Zwift Academy. I did last year as well. It's a really great way to up your fitness a little bit and get a little bit of variety in your everyday workouts. We've talked before about how much Zwift backs women's racing, and this is just another way that they do so by making sure that someone, no matter what their background, has the ability to join the professional Peloton with Canyon Stram. And there's a handful of successful women who have gone through the Zwift Academy and are still racing doing an amazing job. Ella Harris is incredible. We've talked this year a lot about Neve Bradbury, who's having an incredible season and just rode really well the Tour of Scandinavia. So if you think that could be you or someone you love, maybe point them in the direction of Zwift and the Zwift Academy. Thanks so much to Zwift for all of their support of women's racing and for supporting this podcast. And now, Amy Jones. And welcome to the Free William Podcast. Um, today, just me and Tilt. Hi, Tilt. Hello. They've left us unsupervised today. Yeah, we're like the kids at school and the supply teachers left the room and we're just messing around at the back of the classroom. Um, but the reason it's just us today is that we're bringing you a special podcast ahead of the Mountain Bike World Championships, um, which start next well when this goes out it will be this week um in leger in the french alps and we're gonna be there um i've actually just seen the weather forecast and i'm no longer going i'll cancel my flights wait Forget what it. do you mean it's gonna rain <laughs> yes stop it this was not thunderstorms i did not sign up for this <laughs> um no but yeah we will be there as to be honest, not in a very journalistic capacity, but we're trying capacity. to engage our brains before we go off on our, on our jollies again. Research and you guys get to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, what are we going to again? Oh yeah. Who wants to listen in? I can't believe it's going to rain. I'm actually so upset. I did not prepare for this. I know. And I had to pack for this trip. Oh yeah, actually on that note, First of all, I need to apologize for my horrendous sound, which I don't know if you're even going to notice, but it's definitely not as good as usual. And it's because I am a complete idiot and I forgot to pack my microphone when I came on this trip. I'm currently in the UK and then I'm heading off to Leger. Not that you asked for my itinerary, but I, yeah, forgot my microphone. So sorry if I sound rubbish and normal sound will resume next week, probably. So 
I think we need to go over just some of the basics kind of about all the disciplines and kind of what this is about. Because I think, although I'm sure a lot of the listeners already know a thing or two about mountain biking, um, there's maybe some who don't. And it's also a little bit different at Worlds than it is at World Cups, right? Uh, yeah, on especially on in terms of the schedule and how qualification works, there's a few differences. So even if you were coming from watching World Cups this year, you might be a little bit surprised with the way things things pan out next week. Yeah. So we're not going to give you like a complete like beginner's guide to mountain biking because A, we don't have time. And yeah, you probably already know some things. So we're just going to start in like chronological order. We're going to go through the, the disciplines and where they are, with the exception of the e-mountain bike races because... We just really don't have time to go into all of this. And also, I'm going to leave out the junior races from the XCO just because, again, just timing wise, we don't want this to go on forever, you know? Like, people don't want to listen to a really long podcast. Um, so, yeah, chronologically, the first event takes place on Tuesday, which is the qualifying for the short track, the cross country short track. Um, so, it's usually abbreviated to XCC. Um, and it's what it says on the tin, really. It's a short race, usually around 20 minutes of like full gas racing. Um, this course is 1.7 Ks long. Um, and it usually favors like a more kind of powerful sprinty kind of rider. Um, and this is where honestly, like I find this a little bit confusing. Like it took me a while to like actually figure out how they work it with the world. So normally in a world cup, um, and it's been part of the World Cup circuit, I think, since 2018. I put a question mark next to that and I meant to fact check it and I haven't. But I think it's around like 2018 they introduced this discipline to the World Cups. Um, and usually the way they work it is the top 40 ranked riders get to enter the race and they're gridded per their ranking. So the first eight are on the front row, etc. Um, and I, I think it's on World Cup rankings, not UCI rankings. <laughs> Um, but at the world championships, which it was only introduced to the world championships last year. So this is only the second year that there's a short track world championships. Um, the way that the riders are gridded is based off a qualification system. So the qualifications take place on Tuesday. Um, and the, there's two heats, um, and of like 40, no, there's just two heats. I don't know how many riders are in each heat. Look, okay, I don't. But there's more than 20 in each heat. And the top 20 riders from each heat go through to the finals, which are on Friday to, yeah. And then I think it's based on their placings within that qualification. It's complicated. It is. And it makes it a very busy week. Like usually the riders would not do three races in the week they do the short track on friday night and then race on sunday but yeah starting early on tuesday uh but it gets gets the week going kind of like it'll be a little bit of a test for the riders to see kind of where everyone is at um, especially as a few riders uh missed out on the american world cup so everyone's kind of back together ahead of the the big the big races at the weekend i guess mm-hmm yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, the pressure's already on for these riders on Tuesday. That's like a really long week of kind of having to be switched on and in race mode. But um, 
Yeah, it'd be, I mean, it's an interesting one with the qualifications because, you know, in mountain biking, like if something goes wrong, you're kind of, especially in a short track race, you're pretty knackered. So like, if you don't get to go through to the final because you had a mechanical or something like that, like, yeah, it's a bit of a, an interesting way of, of sorting the riders out. But um, there we go. That's how it is. So that takes place for the women at 4 p.m. on Tuesday. And then whoever the top 40 riders are from it, from the both heats goes through to the finals on Friday. Um, and again, it's just the same format. Those 40 riders doing the 20-minute race over the 1.7K course. Um, fast, fast, sprinty, sprinty, done. So that's short track. And after that, well... Stay till you can tell me the downhill. What's going on over in downhill land at this point? So, well, what is going on in downhill land? That is the question no one ever asks because <laughs> I think, look, downhill is a little bit of a forgotten cousin of the cross country sometimes. Um, when you think of, of mountain biking, we think of Olympic mountain biking, which is only cross country, but there is this whole another thing called downhill, which I know way more about than cross country. Um, and it is pretty far removed from uh, road racing. So I can understand why people don't see much for a crossover, but it, uh, you know, it, it takes place alongside the cross country and worlds together. So we are of course covering both. So basically, well, uh, downhill, it's a pretty simple concept. Riders go down a hill really fast and whoever goes fastest wins it's it's run like a time trial so it's just individual riders um go off in in timed gaps um and it's all just based on yeah your own time there's no kind of uh there are teams but there's no teamwork uh in in the race um and everyone races cross country now like there's also teams but it's not yeah sorry it's kind of a weird one um yeah, so in the in the downhill, everyone races the same track, uh, same as in the cross country. Um, so the junior girls, 17 and 18, will be racing the same course as the elite men. Um, courses are usually between 2 and 3K long. Uh, this one is 2.4K at Worlds, um, and it takes about f- just over four minutes, I think, which is a pretty kind of standard middling average for this kind of race. Um, sorry if I feel like I'm downhill splaining, but I know a lot of people will have no idea what it is. I, I'm learning as well. <laughs> I'm also learning. Um, there's a lot of variation in downhill courses. So some are a lot more technical than others. Some are steeper, some are faster. Um, so there's kind of, yeah, different things. It tests a lot of different skills. We'll get into what the, the J course is like in a bit. Um, and there's only two categories. So it's juniors, which is 17 and 18. And then everyone else is elite. So it can be quite a big jump from being 18 to suddenly racing with all the elites. Um, but yeah, so the downhill gets underway on Thursday. Uh, they have, they'll have, uh course inspection and track walk and training earlier in the week but the first real um competition starts on thursday with qualification um track walk what is that they just literally walk the track and like look at the lines and say we like this one or that one yeah so it's quite a long process uh the old downhill world cup if you i mean i mean world champs and world cup so for downhill riders a world cup will start on tuesday and they race on saturday so they start with a track walk which Every all the teams walk down the track first before they get to ride on it, um, and just have a look at the lines, see what it's been like before anyone's ridden on it, um, and yeah, I think a lot of riders will be kind of scoping out the lines then. And this course, 
has only been raced once before, so it's quite uh, new to a lot of riders. So it gives gives us time to have a look at it. Um, and then they get a couple of days to practice on it, uh, riding. And they do, at some point, time the practicing. So you can have a little look on the TSO timing and find out who's going well, who's not going well. And then you get to qualies. So by the time they've got to qualies, they've already become quite familiar with the course and um, even more so for finals. So yeah, it's you're not going at it blind. They really have an idea of what lines they want to take, what they're expecting down the course. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite kind of a week of, of building up towards the finals because um, there's only two race days, but it's kind of every day they're, they're working on on their run. But things um, can change massively, no? Like between, you know, like if there's the weather or I think Andorra was a good example of the track just being completely different from when they had practice to when they were actually racing because after a whole day of like the juniors and everybody racing, by the time it got through to the elites, it was pretty blown out. Yeah, exactly. And there's hundreds of riders every time. So yeah, it really, you know, you might start on the track walk thinking that's a line I want to take. And then by the time you get to finals, that line doesn't even exist anymore because the rut has been, has gone really deep or a little jump that you're going to do has basically been blown out or something. So yeah, there's, there's a lot that couldn't change and it makes it, makes it tough. Um, so yeah, they start with qualification and everyone, Saturday on Thursday, everyone puts down a time and the top 40 elite riders will go through and the top 15 juniors. Um, there's not usually qualification for the juniors because there aren't many uh, juniors. It's usually a seeding run at a World Cup, but at the World Champs, there's enough riders that they need to eliminate some of them before finals, basically. So they'll do qualifying run. Um, key thing to remember is that the top 10 um, elite riders in the World Cup standings will be protected. So as long as they start finals, not finals, as long as they start qualification, even if they crash or have a slow run or something, they will get through to finals. Um, which you can't, it doesn't always affect the racing very much, but sometimes it means that those riders don't put the hammer down fully in quali because they don't need to. Um, whereas if you're you kind of on the cusp... Know. No, whereas the riders who are on the cusp of like top 40 quali is almost a bigger race for them because it's an achievement to get through to the finals. So yeah, it's an important one. We can't watch it, but you can look up the results, see who's going well. Um, it's not always, it's not like, I guess the thing is, is that sometimes you look at it and you think, oh, like, that's the order, that's who can go fast. Why, why are we even having finals? But you know, things change by the weekend and people people hold things back in quality and yeah and everyone, I think a lot of people try and leave a little bit in the tank for finals so sometimes someone will come like sixth fifth in qualies but then absolutely hammer it for finals and it'll be a very different situation um so yeah and then there's a day's gap between qualification and finals at Worlds um so it's downhill day on Saturday and you start with the juniors in the morning at half nine European time and then the elites are going at quarter past one in the afternoon and yeah it should be an exciting one I think if you've never tuned into downhill before it's kind of a good place to start because everyone's there and you don't have to think about all the world cup standings and the confusing things that go with it like everyone's just there to race for the jersey so it's a good place to start that's very true and also interesting one with downhill obviously because it's not an olympic sport it doesn't have as much support right so um, a lot of them just kind of stick with their trade team setups, no? 
Yeah, exactly. So I don't know about every other country, but in the UK, there's very little funding for the national team and they kind of nominally select the riders, but they don't have all that much to do with it. So they don't, they don't go as a GB team. Um, all the, all the teams will be there. Like the trade teams will be there with their pits and their setup and their bikes and their mechanics. And the only difference really is that riders are wearing, um, are wearing the national journeys jerseys, not their trade ones, but for all, all other purposes, it's kind of set up in teams, which, which means that unlike on the roadside where you see kind of some smaller riders get a chance and get to be in that national team setup in the mountain biking and in downhill, it still benefits the riders on bigger teams and still the riders on bigger teams have more support, even if they're from like a tiny nation. So it's kind of pluses and minuses, but yeah, as it's not an Olympic sport, most federations don't give it as much funding. So the teams can't really afford to organize as, as national teams. Interesting. Side note, is there any like Porsche or anything about downhill ever being added to the Olympics? Um, there has been talk of it. I, I would say the number one issue at the moment is that the IOC have a real interest in gender balance in the Olympics. They want to have this is basically the same amount of athletes for men and women. And downhill is is very far from being gender balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would have to essentially make the men's field absolutely tiny. Because say, you know, there's probably 40 competitive um, female riders or maybe towards 60, but like, you know, 40 qualify. And yeah, so you'd have to really cut down the men's field if they wanted to put it in because they, you know, in in 2022, they're not interested in messing up their gender balance again when they've been working hard at the Olympics to change it. So it's kind of a situation where it's, and it is changing downhill, like more women are coming through, especially juniors. So like the the balance is swinging, but at the moment, I think there's just kind of no way to make it make sense. But it's a shame because then it gets a little bit forgotten. And we're just saying today, like it's just been the Euros with all of the combined um, cycling disciplines but downhill happened a couple of months ago and it wasn't part of that and so it kind of misses out on the spotlight and under 23 xco yeah because they had separate under 23 worlds which again i have no idea why that was but yeah strange but it it's cool that you said though there's more like juniors coming through because that's like really well it's just good to see that there's a lot of future downhill women yeah and it's it's a really it's a really like young sport there's only been junior girls category in the in the world cups for a few years but you know every year it's growing more and more and so hopefully it is a very male male dominated sport but the women's side of it is only only growing we'd love to hear it so after the downhillers have downhilled and then gone and done what downhillers do and had a big old after party as they're waking up bleary eyed on Sunday morning all the cross country riders are going to be getting ready to go um, it's the last final of the week um, and so yeah cross country races cross country Olympic races usually between kind of like a four-ish to like seven I don't even know how long not like yeah around like four five six k courses um and they're 90 minutes roughly in length. Um 
This particular course is 3.39 k's long and gains 140 meters a lap. Um, and the number of laps is determined after they start racing usually. Um, this is also a point that confuses me. Also, we really should have said at the top, or at least in my case, like I am learning still here. <laughs> like I, there's so many things that I still, I've probably been following this for like properly for like a year. I kind of on and off paid attention to women's cross-country racing over the years, but I really only had like a proper eye on mountain biking for a year. And there are still things that I do not understand. Um, so yeah, as far as I'm aware, they determine how many laps they will race after the start loop, which is not a full lap. It's kind of like half of one, I think. And then they say, you know, it's like six, seven, eight laps, whatever. Um, and the riders are gridded again, different to World Cup. So I think on World Cups, it's they're gridded according to their World Cup rankings. Uh, at World Championships, it's according to UCI um, World Ranking. Um, but it's still the same. The first eight are in the front row, and so on and so on. Um, so the under twenty three women race first at nine a.m. Poor things always have to get up so early, but at least they get the race out of the way. To be fair, there's you know. Um, so then in between that is the under 23 men and then the elite women at 1 p.m. So that's Sunday. That's the last final. So, yeah, I mean, I just kind of went over the courses a little bit, but maybe we should go into a little bit more detail about what we're going to see at Leger in particular. Um, Tilda, do you want to kick off with the downhill? Because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and just to kind of echo what Amy said about us not being experts, like we're both getting into it. And I think we're also, it's it's nice to be able to try and share it with other people because it can be a difficult thing to understand and a little bit like, oh, everyone's an expert and I'm not, but it's okay to not be an expert. And if you're going to start, start with Worlds, it's the one and you'll get it from there, probably, <laughs> eventually. Um so yeah, and so on that note, I'll try not to be too technical about this downhill course. But yeah, so um, both the courses, so both the short track and, well, both the short track and the Olympic distance and the downhill courses at Leger are quite new. Um, the downhill course was completely rebuilt for 2021 for the World Cup. Um, there was previously a different course uh on the same mountain but it was very different it used uh the the ski slopes much more um so it was a lot less technical so it was kind of yeah really revamped and it only uses the same start and beginning uh start and end um now it's kind of modernized with the with the uh with these world champs in mind so this is kind of a big event for the organizers and the people who um built that course um, so about three quarters of the course are in the woods and in downhill, that's kind of usually the harder part because you've got trees and roots and possibly rocks and like tougher terrain to navigate through the woods. Um, so, yeah, it's quite a big wood section. Basically, the whole middle part of the race goes through the woods. Um, and it's also it's a little bit... joke, hey? Like, no. <laughs> yeah. especially if it's wet. Yeah, yeah. So So, yeah, there's a lot of different... Um, things going on. I think if you if you go and watch the runs from last year, especially the drier ones in the morning, it doesn't look super technical to the naked eye because it's fairly similar 
terrain down a lot of the course this kind of wooded area and you're like oh like there's no rock garden there's no big jumps um but the roots are gnarly as a downhiller would say gnarly as, <laughs> um, bro. you know there's just so many ruts to get your wheels caught in and there's so many it, it's not just it's not just a few big rocks that you need to navigate it's like roots everywhere um and especially if it gets wet which it does seem like it will be wet that can make a huge difference <laughs> i'm not wearing a kegel <laughs> just gonna get wet it's fine um so yeah it's 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 seen as one of the tougher tracks on on the calendar which i guess is a good thing for worlds but also makes it a little bit unpredictable and yeah if it rains it's going to be very slippy there's there's no because it's the same terrain all the way down more or less there's no room to recover there's no kind of flatter or more gravelly or sandy parts that are going to be less wet it's just going to be greasy packed earth roots all the way down if it rains um so yeah it will be a tough one so yeah it's like i said uh, it's two and a half kilometers long and they go down about 570 meters uh vertically in that time sorry what is the stat that i'm reading <laughs> max 73 percent. what the hell does that mean yeah so the average gradient for the course is 25 percent. well minus 25 percent um, right. gradient and there are sections that are 73 minus 73 percent gradient like that's just like really a steep there? course yeah so, exactly <laughs> exactly that's just like a cliff that's the thing yeah because if you think about like if you've watched xeo and you see the downhill sections in that like they're steep downhill sections where the bike stays on the ground basically but the steep downhill sections in downhill are like walls that you just kind of fall off or jump off <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty intense it's one of the steeper ones which makes it very fast um yeah and then down the bottom you've got a kind of grassy finish with a couple of jumps um and yeah it's it's hard to describe it too much because it's only been used once and we don't know exactly how it'll be taped which does affect things like what lines are available to the riders um but yeah it's definitely kind of a course for a really fast rider who can balance between letting it loose and going fast but also keeping in control because if you're if you're losing control fully over these big drops and the roots then you're just going to come off and that's kind of that's kind of it done like there's no space to crash or even really put your feet out too much um in downhill because it comes down to half a second on the line so yeah that's the course i would recommend going and looking on youtube at the 2021 runs to kind of get an idea of it even though it was horrible weather then but maybe that's going to be the same so (laughs) it's not it's not going to rain Actually, it can rain on Saturday if it wants to. That doesn't affect me much. No, yeah, YouTube is a really good resource, actually, for finding information on courses. Usually, like, some of the riders from the uh, teams all have gone and, like, recorded with a GoPro while they ride Mm. the course. Um, And so you actually really get to see from their perspective what the courses look like. And both Downhill and XCO, like, they make it look so easy when you just watch it on TV. But when you actually see this stuff up close, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's it, and the steepness of it. It's mad. Oh yeah. Like, and even, even courses that are like meant to be a bit flatter or like not have so much climbing will have like some like wall in them that is like mm. so steep. Um, so yeah it's just yeah they make it look so easy but I I think actually you have to go and watch a race like firsthand to like fully appreciate the 
scale of these like features and shit that they have. Yeah. Anything else we need to know about the downhill course? I don't think so. I would say I would say that's it. Yeah, it's it it is a tough one and it it may look easy, but if you think about yeah, the sections there that are seventy three percent gradient, like it is uh insane. And yeah, I was watching it thinking, oh, this doesn't look so bad. Like there's not there's not a huge rock garden or anything, but then you listen to the riders talk about it and how hard these these rooty sections with literally no let up are. Um yeah, it's gonna be a tough one. So yeah, what about what about the cross country courses? How how are they looking? Because they're quite new as well, aren't they? Yeah, it's the same deal. Um, so they had the new course. They raced that last year. Um, so it was the first time. Um, they basically just made it more technical again, same as their downhill course, I think. Um, honestly, not gonna lie, I have not gone into great detail in terms of what has been changed or what's been added, but essentially it's just like more like roots, more like big logs on the ground that you have to ride over, lots of rocks, all the, you know, rolly, jumpy things. And yeah, it's just more technical. There's more obstacles for them to deal with. Um, And again, like last year, it was like peeing down. So it was just a mud bath because there's lots of grass and there's like a grassy descent. Uh, It's not, uh, there isn't that much elevation, like 140 meters lap isn't crazy for compared to like some of the World Cup courses that they have. Um, but no, it's an interesting one because sometimes like the really hilly courses favor just like really small riders that can just like kind of go on steep climbs because they're just power to weight, just pure power to weight. Um, but yeah, they kind of start with like a short little climb and then they go on to like loads of rocks and logs and roots and jumps and all that technical stuff. Uh, then there's another climb up into the woods which has got loads of roots and um, single trail. And it's, again, the roots, roots are perilous guys, watch out for the roots. Um, and then they're going to like a rock garden, it's like heaps of rocks, um, another jump, some more rocks, and then like down towards the finish on this grassy bit. Um, that is the information I got off a YouTube video <laughs> because I have not seen this course, actually. <laughs> Honestly, you become um, a mountain bike fan and YouTube is the place to be. YouTube really is. Honestly. It, <laughs> Red Bull YouTube, because, never watched it so much. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, it's really good that because a lot of the riders or a lot... I think downhill's better at this than cross-country, but there's always, like, on the week of, like, a World Cup, there's always there always seems to be videos of, like, people riding the course, talking about the course, kind of mm. showing the course and for like the tv and stuff like it's really interactive i think yeah definitely and uh on the course a little bit i would say if you if you've just watched europeans this will be a little bit different because europeans had a lot of man-made features uh because munich a random park in Munich, it turns out, is not the most <laughs> naturally technical place. And so uh, this kind of, Leger doesn't really have like the uh, fun looking features and like jumps and stuff, but uh, the natural difficulty of it is is kind of a different level. Um, so yeah, if it does look a bit different, don't be surprised, but it doesn't mean that it's um, any less difficult. No, it's, is definitely more technical too than any kind of race like Olympics or Commonwealth Games that we just had and like 
Europeans, like they don't tend to put as many like features, technical features in there. Um, no, I do think as well, like the man-made features and the things that kind of look good and like places where riders will do a jump and like, you know, in, in downhill, they'll like do a little whip or a scrub. They're actually not as hard. Like they look good and they look impressive, but always the hardest thing. And actually just like the bits where you're grinding through horrible terrain that don't exactly look impressive are actually where the difficulty comes. I am frantically looking on the website of this race, which is completely in French. Help me. Um, (laughs) Because you put like, you know, the max elevation and the all of that. Mm. I did not look at that. But do we need to know? I don't know. It's it's steep in parts and it's not steep in all the parts. To be honest, like this is probably the first time I've actually looked up what the gradient and stuff is because, yeah, um, it's not usually something like it doesn't always tell that much about the course because there's so many different other assets going on. But it's kind of a good place to start if uh, you don't know that much more about it. Yeah, because I guess because in road, everyone's always used to kind of looking at hills and being like, what's the gradient of this hill? Because in road racing, it kind of does have more bearing on it. Whereas I feel like for downhill, it's kind of like self-explanatory. Like you're going down a big mountain, like there's going to be steep parts of it. Yeah, Um, but yeah, it's kind of a language that us roadies can actually understand yeah exactly exactly um okay so we know about the courses gonna gonna take them on and who's gonna win do we think it never feels like it's the idea of like who's on form so well so much with cross country because there's so many different things to like consider like you know if you're looking at like the classics or like a flat race or a climbing race you're like okay who's like got good legs but this is like I don't know it doesn't seem like that well also this because is... Worlds is such a funny right like it's usually often with like big championships um riders end up coming out who you hadn't thought yeah. about or who yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, they would have been like really quiet for the rest of the year there's always kind of like one spot on the podium or the top 10 where you're like oh wow that person okay yeah you know? yeah um but saying that I think to be honest, I think the the women's short track is pretty open. It's probably the most open um, of the two because there's obviously it's been quite mixed. Who's won them this year? Like there's been a few different names. Um, I would say the defending champion Cena Fry hasn't won a cross um, a cross country short track race this season at all. I don't think she's really set to defend that jersey but again you never know um she just raced for scandinavia on the road she didn't seem to be flying there but it's again like you can't really judge someone's mountain biking form from how they race on the road and she's pretty new as well um racing with sc works so that just kind of leaves some of the other riders that have been doing well the the most recent short track winner was yolanda neff in mont saint but obviously, as we kind of touched on earlier, those North America World Cups are kind of weird because not everybody goes to them. And yeah, there was just, I mean, Yolanda Neff just like cleaned up in Monsanan because it's so technical and she's just an absolute technical queen. And yeah, we saw her in Europeans looking not so hot the other day. So hard to tell, but she's definitely up there as a favorite either way. So is... Um, Alessandra Keller. I actually think that we could see her 
like potentially win. I am so scared to like nail on like who I think is going to win any of these races. But she has just been on another level this year. Like all the talk yeah. has been like, obviously we've had Beck McConnell who like started the season on an absolute flyer. She had been so consistent in previous years and then came through and just won like the first, I think it was three or four World Cups. Mm. Um, and she has now kind of like dropped off a little bit. We'll talk a bit more about her later, but Alessandra Keller is really peaking at the right time. I think this season, she uh, won her first um, World Cup in snowshoe uh, elite World Cup. And then she won the short track in Andorra too. So she's proven that she can win in short track races. And although like not everybody rocked up to Andorra as well, she definitely beat some really big names. So, I think she's a good shout. Um, also, yeah, I don't know. Like, also, Luana Lecomte and Pauline Ferrand-Provo, obviously we're going to talk about her when it comes to the um, XCO race as well, but she's also won short track races. She's a French rider at a home world championships. You can never rule her out. She was looking pretty good at Europeans the other day too until she got a mechanical. So... She's also a favorite for this race, I think. Um, have I missed anyone? I've kind of put some names down, but is there like an elephant in the room? If I miss like a big name? I don't think so. I mean, it, it is a hard one because it is really open. And also with the short track, like they're just so flat out. Like they just start and go and it can, there's not a lot of time for things to settle into place. Obviously, I want to find their way. Like it just goes and mm-hmm. whoever's there is going to be there. and if you have a slow start then like that's kind of it um and so yeah it would just it kind of comes down a lot it seems like who's just really fired up to do it um yeah and and who wants to kind of really put the hammer down on that race when they know they have sunday coming up as well and i think there'll yeah, be some riders that see that as more of an opportunity than than sunday like riders like alessandra keller like you might be looking at that and thinking yeah I'm going to kind of put more of my eggs in the short track basket and really go for it. Um, and yeah, she has the confidence from uh, the last couple of wins. So she would be possibly my favourite. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because like not everybody goes to the trouble or is necessarily wanting to go to the trouble of, you know, going through the qualifying, having a race on the Friday that's like so full gas and then focusing on the, the XCO um, on Sunday. But then again, they do that in World Cups all the time and they are kind of used to it and you know we saw Yolanda Neff have a so-called perfect weekend in Mons and Ante she won both the short track and the um X-series and there was like some stat that I now have just remembered but don't have in front of me where she's like not many people have done that basically she's like one of very few people to actually do that um so I think yeah if you're a professional like enough you would be able to do both but for sure people will be focusing on one more than the other because also uh short track suits some riders way more than than the cross country does especially if this isn't a course that would suit them um actually like if you're kind of to mountain biking i think um short track is a good way to kind of get into it because if you are like me and you don't have the best attention span in the world a 90 minute uh xco race can get there's a just always a point there in the middle where it's like okay everyone's in their position we know what's kind of going to happen unless it's like full gas and it's like really exciting it's like a road race like crit way more interesting to watch 
than like a sprint road race that's just like flat, 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 what's going to happen? Oh, here's a bit in the middle, here's the end kind of thing. Um, but, so yeah, it's a good way of kind of just like, it's exciting to watch basically, um, short track. Same as downhill, it's like also kind of like action-packed. Yeah, and they're both very easy to understand, right? Like it's just whoever goes fastest and crosses the line first. Like you don't have to worry too much about tactics and timing and chasing. It's just, oh yeah, this is the most like simple form of racing. Yeah, there's no room for tactics, really. I mean, obviously there are tactics to it. It depends how it's raced, but it is just like full. And actually, yes, start. It's kind of like um, cross-country mountain biking is really similar. If you ever watch cyclocross, the start is so important. If you get off the line well, it sets you up for the race, really. Like, same as if you have a problem or you get caught up coming off the line, like, you're going to spend the whole race just, like, chasing. So when you watch these starts they're just like fast and furious and there's people jostling for position it's yeah it's wild um so yeah that's short track and that's on friday what about the next day what happens on the next day when i have to get my umbrella out apparently (laughs) yes saturday i will be hiking up the mountain um and yeah we haven't spoken about the juniors for the the cross-country races but uh, because there's only two categories in the downhill and the juniors are very exciting we wanted to talk about them a little bit and I've actually roped in a little expert on this very topic to come and tell me about this our, our resident junior expert my sister it turns out <laughs> but yeah it's 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 nice to pay attention to the juniors when it comes to downhill because uh, yeah you know they'll be elites next year and it's actually been a very exciting competition. So there are a few names that we wanted to talk about for Saturday morning that unfortunately you won't be able to watch on TV, but I'll be there getting excited over them. So Tallulah, welcome to the podcast. Hello. And nice t-shirt, dressed appropriately in a Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah. No biases there though. No, no, no. Um, so yeah, <laughs> go on the million dollar question. Who's going to win? Phoebe. Phoebe Gale, I think. She's... She's a young, rich rider. She won in the Jay last year and she's been very competitive this year. She's not quite at the top of the overall standings in the World Cup, but she's been doing really well. I think if it rains, the conditions could really suit her. And I have faith. Yeah, and who who are kind of her main competitors? I think this is something that people might think uh, the juniors, there's not a lot of competition because it's super small. Like in the World Cups, there's like 12 riders or something. But actually, it is tight at the top. Yeah, so her main competitor, I think, is definitely Gracie Hemstreet. Gracie is leading the overall standings in the World Cup. She's won four races this year. She's so strong. And her and Phoebe are the only two that have won World Cups this year. So I think they're definitely the favourites and Gracie will be her main competitor. And uh, what about the defending champ? Oh, the yeah, Isabella Ankova. She's the defending champ. And she's just not quite been on the pace this year. She was so good last year. She was so dominant. She won almost every race and then world champs. But she's just not quite been there this year. She could definitely get a medal, but I don't know if the win is quite in her grasp again. Also got a little Kiwi mention, haven't we? You know, for reasons that... We never actually explain. We have a uh, an affinity for Kiwis on this podcast. I can't say why. Then we'll be accused of like all kinds of biases or whatnot. Even though I'm no, going to talk about yeah. Cook later. 
<laughs> but no biases. But anyway, yeah, who's, who's our Kiwi queen? Uh, our Kiwi queen <laughs> is Jenna Hastings. She rides a pivot factory racing and she's just come back from injury, actually. So she cracked her thumb. So hopefully that won't affect her running too much. But she's riding this weekend. So she should be at the race next weekend. She's had a few podiums. She's looking strong. And yeah, I think you'd also definitely get a medal. Yeah, it's it's a super uh, open field for the juniors. And it's yeah. it's really, really developing. Like, yeah, the fact that they even have qualifying. In the World Cups, there's not enough riders to warrant qualifying. So yeah, there's 23 riders entering. Uh, that's like seven more from last year, up from 16. So like that's quite a big percentage growth. Um, yeah, so it should be a good one. And also, this is my... Yeah, if you if you know juniors, then you'll sound like a genius next year when you're like, oh yeah, because most of these riders, Gracie and Phoebe and Isabella, will be seniors next year. So then you could be like, oh yeah, I already know Phoebe. I'm just like talent scouting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, game um, the game. That's a little junior segment, which yeah, I would look out for them. Um, juniors get ignored, so mm. let's give them a little shout out. But yeah, exactly. Is is Tallulah gonna stay? the rest I think she should oh god I sure <laughs> you can stay okay because Amy doesn't know anything about downhill so oh, you need well I don't know anything about cross country so <laughs> glad I wasn't here for that <laughs> I don't know I know names look I'm learning okay I actually did watch the last few downhill world cups so yeah yeah I did not watch the last few cross country <laughs> world cups so it's fine um but yeah, so after the juniors, which weirdly, okay, this is not interesting to anyone, but usually the juniors, it goes boys, then girls. And this year we're going girls, then boys at the Worlds. Uh, so they'll be on nice and early, but, which is not usually what happens, but it means they they will be uh, first down the track on Saturday. They get the fresh track. Exactly, exactly. Which so they'll probably go fast, too. Yeah, yeah, which is which is good, because that's the thing we often, you often see the junior boys running pretty close to the elite times but yeah it might be it might be the other way around that we see yes riders like Phoebe Gale and Gracie Hemstreet really pushing the elite riders but yes talking about the elite riders it is again it's a weird one because it's kind of an open field and then it's kind of like I can only see two riders winning it so I don't really know where I stand on this but I would say the uh the, f- the field is almost more characterised by who's not there than who is there because Camille Blanche, arguably the best rider all season, she's won three World Cups, she was leading the overall um, by a pretty significant margin, broke her collarbone in Mont Saint-Anne. I didn't and, know this. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, she is... But to be, I mean, she's a bit mad because she had surgery on the collarbone and I think she was posting on her Instagram story. She was like, day 10 post-break and she was doing pull-ups. And I was like, what? how are you doing that? These people are not <laughs> of this earth. Like, what the hell? Yeah, so I don't know if she's planning a comeback for Valdi Sole, but she's she's out of it for Worlds. Um, and I think she would have been a real nailed-on favourite. Uh, she's just been kind of a level above this year. So she's not there. And also, Tani Seagrave is not there. So she might be a name that you recognise, if especially if you're a British listener um but yeah she's been suffering with concussion since the spring and hasn't uh come back to racing yet i think she's only really just getting back to the point where she can be back on her bike so it's been a difficult season for her and it's a shame she she won here last year at the world cup and it's probably one of her favorite courses she uh grew up in morzine 
Um, so yeah, it would be tough not to see her there. But who is there? We have defending champ Miriam Nicole. Um, she's won this. She's won the world champs twice. Uh, she's had a little bit of a up and down season, I would say. Um, she's prone to crashing, but when she's on her day, um, she she can really really smash it. And then yeah, her main contender will be Valley Hole. Do you want to tell me a bit about, about Valley? There's a lot to say about Valley. She was so she's a third year elite, I think, but only her second year racing elite. She didn't race her first year. But in juniors, she was so good. She was a double world champion at jun- in juniors. But she has a lot of pressure on her. Everyone expects her to be amazing, and she is. But she makes a lot of mistakes, and she crashes a lot. And she has this tendency to either put down the most incredible winning run you've ever seen or crash. So, but we're starting to see a slight... I rate that. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. But yeah, we're starting to see a slightly more mature valley. So I think if she can really like harness that, she could become just incredible. Yeah, and I I think in the absence of Camille, it it does look like it could be basically Miriam versus Valley for the yeah. title. But there are you know the thing we've been saying is worlds can be weird. Like you know you were saying with the short track, there are riders that are there that you're like whoa they haven't been doing much all season and suddenly they're smashing it uh, at Worlds. So there's riders like Nina Hoffman, who uh, she won Fort William that was wet, so if it rains, that could be her kind of race. We've got, this is my little secret tip for the for the weekend, Eleonora Farina. She is, she's not won this year, but she's been like the most consistent rider, like top six every race, practically. Um, and she tends not to crash, which is, I think, because she maybe just doesn't push it as much as the other riders, but... If Valley and Nurian push it too much, then, you know, there's an opening. Um, That's a fine balance, no, in downhill where it's like you just have to, like, absolutely send it. But also, like, when you do that, you risk crashing. It's kind of like a bit yeah. of a gamble, isn't it? It really is. And there's so many riders that either crash or win every time. <laughs> like, because I think to go fast, you basically have to be on the edge of losing it every time, which... It's kind of, very exciting to, to yeah, watch. No? It's super exciting. It's kind of a crazy way for a sport to be run, if you think about it. But it makes it good to watch. So yeah, like there's a few different contenders kind of outside the top top two or three. Like got Michaela Parton and Monica Krasnick, the European champ, and another Kiwi, Jess Blewett, is like really coming into form. So yeah, it's kind of weird to not have Camille there as like the best rider, but actually it, it really does open it up and yeah, it, it, it's not going to be a foregone conclusion who, who wins. And this is my favourite little fact that I've learned is that Valley Hull and Miriam Nicole have never raced against each other without one of them crashing. <laughs> um, and to, to make it clear, like this, we're not going to have some Tour de France fam discourse here. Everyone crashes in the downhill all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's not like an ability issue. Um, no, not at all. So yeah, it'll be good. And yeah, I just put a note too. In, Exactly. Hashtag women question too. <laughs> um, and yeah, if if you are if you know, there's one name that you might know in downhill. If you don't know her downhill very much, which is Rachel Atherton. Um, so if you're wondering why she's not in this list, it's because she is not back racing. She's won the world champs five times, and she's like basically the goat of downhill. Uh, but she had a baby last year, and she's not fully back racing. She's raced once this year, but she won't be there. Um, which yeah is a shame. But hopefully we'll see her back. 
nice guys that was very interesting i learned a lot i actually did because i didn't realize that all these people were injured and out and i would have said camille is my favorite so i <laughs> in the bin with me and my predictions so i'm pretty sure she's not racing like no, no. you were, you were definitely correct like why yeah i just looked at the start list and i guess like obviously she was entered but like yeah this happened not long ago um, but even british cycling were like oh yeah tani will be will be back racing and tani was like no Obviously, I won't be. I can't believe they said Let's that. Let's not get into British cycling, shall we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, back to something more normal for our road fans. The XEO. You said that with such disdain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Here's another thing for our listeners. Every, okay. <laughs> Cross-country Olympic is seen as like the pinnacle of these worlds right it's on the last day and i found out today they earn more money like there's more prize money if you win the cross country than if you win downhill which is a bit peak and i don't really know why it's so is it the olympic thing again is it like there's more it it could be yeah that would make sense Mm -hmm. i guess um is there disparity between the men and women no prize money no it's all the same i thought which is good it's like cross hey it's a little bit better with those yeah. things can't keep yeah. the salaries but yeah and I guess yeah that's kind of the one thing that's in the UCI's control but yeah so everyone will be thinking about Sunday and I'm just seeing Sunday as a little cherry on top of the cake <laughs> after the real day on Saturday <laughs> well I'm seeing Sunday as the headline act I can't lie for many many reasons but the women's races I'm very much looking forward to as well um so we kind of yeah I'm going to start with under 23 so obviously there's juniors too in cross country but I honestly like this podcast is getting long now and you guys don't need to hear about every single person who's racing um so under 23 um women will race in the morning on the Sunday and um it's actually a really interesting kind of field for the under 23 women because arguably the best under 23 rider is actually not racing the under 23 race she's racing the elite race and that's Mona Mittervolner from Austria because she has opted so she's been racing all the elite world cups um this year anyway and she has opted to race the elite world championships as well which really is fair because she is up there with all the elite riders so there's no reason for her to go and just like steamroll all the poor under 23 girls which maybe she would do maybe she wouldn't um but so the favorites for the under 23 women's race um just quickly i would say probably the out and out favorite would be lean burkier is that how you say it yeah really exactly. french pronunciation obviously french like you know a french rider home worlds all that jazz like extra watts um she has been on the podium for every round of the under 23 world cups this year and she's won four of them um so she's probably the out and out favorite um but somebody else to watch out for and this is complete and utter bias for me right now but she's my favorite to win yes okay she's teammates with my boyfriend but that is irrelevant um pop <laughs> peters i don't even know how you say her last name she's definitely told me peter so um, isn't it peter i may yeah let's go with that i should know <laughs> but i don't um she's just this absolute legend little duchy who races she's only 20 but she's an absolute boss she's honestly a skilled queen i have never seen someone do the things she does on a bike like she will do a no-handed wheelie and like 
bounce off like everything and like I don't even know like some I mean this is coming from me who like if I bunny hop a tiny little speed bump on my road but I can't like fuck yeah I mean <laughs> but she is like insanely good and she's just such a cool person and on top of that aside from my bias just liking her as a human she is an absolute boss like she bossed the CX season um last well 2021-22 racing the elite world cups um and she's just been like bossing this season on the mountain bike too she's probably gonna race in the elites next year as well even if she's only 20 she's never been off the podium and she's won one of the races she went in leo gang so she's definitely she's 100 i would say gonna podium well if nothing is wrong um but i reckon she could do it um aside from her there's ronya ball oh, oh, i don't even know how you say that <laughs> yeah that one um my German coming put, in. I just, I just put her name that I haven't even put any context about her, but whatever. Um, it's a funny one though, isn't it, with the other way threes, like because we don't get to watch them. So Yeah, we don't. And I don't do we get to watch them at Worlds either? We don't, do we? Oh I don't, I don't think we do, but we never do in World Cup, which is yeah, it's sad because I think some of their races, like having actually gone and been there and seen the the races and like they're really close and they're really good, yeah. I think. And it's Again, like a really good way of seeing like who's going to come through and just like kick ass in the elite because a lot of them do like they come straight in and they just they don't even need to you know a lot of the time under twenty three or junior riders coming into the elites take a bit of time to adjust but we've seen with like Luana Lacombe and Mona Mitterwellner that like they just come in and just like dominate still. So yeah, I've also put as like a little bit of a side note for the under twenty three race. Um, Zoe Cuthbert is this 20-year-old Aussie. She came second at Com Games, which, okay, it wasn't a particularly stacked field, but I reckon she could go pretty well, maybe a podium. I don't know. She'll definitely have, like, confidence in that Com Games result too, which cannot be underestimated. It was a really good ride for her as well. Like, she didn't just, like, roll around behind Evie. Like, she really pushed mm-hmm. it and, like, dropped out of short and everything. And, yeah, it was it was a good one from her. And I think... Even perhaps more so than road in mountain biking, we see a lot of the impact of confidence and just feeling like, yeah, I am a good rider. I am gonna be aggressive, and yeah, it kind of has a big effect on the races. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, like one big example of that, I reckon is um, Beck McConnell. So to move on to the to the elite, because she has been a really consistent rider for a long time, but she came into this season she'd had a she changed coaches um she's just like done I don't know what but she came in and won the first World Cup of the season in Brazil and from there she just kind of like didn't stop winning for a while and I think it does kind of like feed into the confidence and kind of like self-belief and she's even said that I, I interviewed her for cycling tips she can go and find that um and she talked about that herself but this, unfortunately She's kind of dropped off a little bit in the last couple of months. Um, she's still ranked number one, but she's definitely, I don't think she can really pull it out of the bag for the world. She wrote on Instagram that her energy levels are really low. She's suffering in training. Um, she says for the first time in a few years, I'm not finishing the season at my best, not even close. How I dream of that form, confidence, and energy I had earlier. Um, so, yeah, she's definitely although she's ranked number one, so on paper you would say she would be up there as a favourite, I don't actually think she'll really feature 
that much compared to some yeah. of the other riders. It's also worth saying for both of the disciplines that World comes a week or like really if just a few days before the last round of the World Cup. So there will be riders who are thinking about that as well. And if you if you've got to think about the overall you can't necessarily go go mad at worlds, especially in the downhill. Like you don't want to crash and break a leg if you might win the overall. So there's kind of that element of it. And yeah, if if Beck is thinking about the overall a little bit still, do you want to like go mad at worlds and use a lot of energy? So it's a it's a weird one to to think about in that respect. That is very true. Yeah, energy that she doesn't seem to have as well. So yeah, exactly. Um. So world number one isn't when and neither is the defending champion which is very sad so Evie Richards won last year from Great Britain really great world champion to have for the sport in my opinion she's just a really good role model I think for young girls and I know we can go over all that stuff about like young girls saying that we had the Tour de France thing with that but she is though really like she she's just she just seems like so wholesome on Instagram Mm. and like she just hangs out with her family and she's just like a normal girl, like a normal person. And like, but aside from that, she also is very open and honest about kind of pitfalls of weight in cycling and, you know, the emphasis on it. And she has openly said that she struggled with disordered eating in the past as a result of kind of the pressure of that. But now she doesn't weigh herself. She's not like really, it's not, you know, a priority for her. She just kind of enjoys herself goes on feel so I think that's actually really I don't really want to go into it in a negative way but mountain biking is actually almost worse than road for that sort of thing for body image and weight so I think it's really cool that she's she's like that and so I think she was a really good example of a world champ but sadly she's been struggling with um, back pain and then she had COVID so she's been struggling to come back from that too so she's probably not going to be on her usual form at world so she's not very likely to to defend the jersey, sadly. Um, but who is going to be up there? Well, the Frenchies are probably going to get their French world champion, hey? I reckon so. Like, they could kind of clean up here, right? Yeah, it's looking pretty good for them. So the two favourites, I would say, are the, the top, top favourite going in is definitely Luana Lecomte. Um She's just like on fire. She wins everything. Well, not everything, but she's pretty good. She's just, she came out of the end of 20 years and just like, she just rides away from everybody. Like, that's the thing. She can just ride away. Like that. That's the mad thing about Luana is that it's not like she's like winning it from a small group every time. Like she wants to go, she'll just go stay away for like an hour. That's what she did at Europeans, I think. And yeah, what can you do in that situation? Exactly, nothing. And that was towards the end of last season. She kind of faded a little bit, actually. Like she started to do that at the beginning of the season, and then she kind of just dropped off a, a bit. But like, I think she's probably worked on that. She's probably like figured out what was wrong. And then she this year has kind of like she started off like that. Like in Brazil, we saw her like right away, and it looked like the race was done. And then. Beck McConnell um, came back and I think it was Anna Terpstra that was with her um, and so it doesn't always work out for her but again that was like really early on in the season so she's probably just peaking for this like for sure as a French rider at a 
French World Championships, you're going to be making that your number one goal of the season. So she's definitely the favorite. I will be shocked if she doesn't pull off like a really big ride and take the win. But close behind Fran Prevot, who this is what's kind of like the link with cross country is that like there are names that people will recognize from the road. So Pauline Fran Prevot, obviously she's been around for a long time, but she's only 30 still. Um, uh, she's looking pretty good. She looked good at Europeans. She had a mechanical, so it was like super muddy. Um, and she just kind of ended up like not being able to like, I think if she got like shit caught up in a derailleur or something. Um, she, the technical term. That is the technical term. That's yeah. <laughs> Let me commentate on your mountain bike races, people. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was leading at that point and then she got mechanical, but I mean, was the one I look, I'm going to compress her anyway. Who knows? But she's obviously looking good. So between Lana and Pauline, it's looking good for the French riders at the French world. However, there are a few people who could challenge them. Um, Yolanda Neff, again, another name people might recognize. She's done a bit of road racing. She's just like really big personality. You know, everyone talks about Sule in road racing, but actually mountain biking's got a good few big personalities and Yolanda's definitely one of them. She's hilarious on Instagram, actually. You should follow her on Instagram. Um, but yeah, she, like we said earlier, she got the perfect weekend in Monson Um, She wasn't on top form at World, at Europeans the other day. Um, she lost like, I think three minutes to Lana, but like, was it really close to her? I'm not sure. Um, she's really good at the technical stuff, like we said. So this course being pretty technical will probably suit Yolanda. I will be surprised if she doesn't make the podium. That is a big call. Wow. That is a bold prediction. Oh. But do you know, like, you know, it was like, like she didn't have the best start to the season either. Like, I think she's fired up now to finish it off well. We know that the Swiss are the people to. <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> when it comes to mountain biking, everyone watched them, right? Watched the podium at Tokyo. They are, although we talk about the Frenchies, like the Swiss have the depth, right? So yeah, she is Olympic champion. So yeah, that's no shade to her, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Another Swissy, Keller. Again, we mentioned her earlier when we talked about the short track. Probably better chance for her in that, but who knows? Like she is going really, really well. So she's Swiss national champion, um, and she hasn't been outside of the top ten all year. So she could be a good shout. Um, Mona Mitterwalner, obviously. Again, we mentioned her too. She's under 23 world champion last year and also marathon world champion last year which is very impressive at the tender age of I think 20 the mountain bike marathon that is not the old typical running marathon (laughs) (laughs) a few other big names to mention yeah she's been pretty consistent a few world cup podiums she could be good she could be up there who knows um Somebody else who's kind of like not featuring, but who ordinarily we would be talking about is Jenny Rizford. Um, mm. She is, she's just kind of like still been on the comeback for however many years since Rio. And yeah. then she, yeah. but this year we have seen her up there again. She also um, came second in Leger last year. So yeah, it's a good course for her. Yeah. Mm. Um, as she should have mentioned, yeah, Pauline has also won. 
in Lego before, but she ha- what hasn't she won? So well, true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she did a big Instagram post a few days ago talking about basically like you know she hasn't been feeling so good since um, the North American World Cup. She actually pulled out of um, Mont Saint Anne, and um, just she's saying she just felt felt bad really she wasn't really given specifics but then she sort of wrote this big caption talking about people put such, such emphasis on a big race like worlds and how actually just it's nice to go back to basics and just like enjoy riding the bike and you know resetting a little bit so she's i think going into this with a bit of a let's just have some fun, see what happens. Um, I don't think she's putting any pressure or expectation on herself to actually get a result. So yeah, she'll be there. She will probably be active in the beginning of the race, but probably isn't going to do anything. But all the other riders absolutely loved her post, by the way. Every single person like commenting and being like, yes, Jenny, go Jenny. So she's yeah, just another thing. There. There's, def- there's a lot of like supportiveness in mountain biking, isn't there? Yes, um, we love that actually. Yeah, that's so true. Especially downhill though. I notice it in downhill more where they'll finish a run and everyone will just like, be like, yeah, well done. And like after everyone's finished, like they're all congratulating each other, giving each other big hugs and just like then celebrating together. So that's, yeah, I really like that. It's a nice old time. serious in this sport. You really can. (laughs) Yeah. So that was all like actually massive, really long. (laughs) Sorry, Abby. (laughs) Like, we don't know Um, anything about this, so let's talk about it for 90 minutes. (laughs) Literally, are we okay? Sorry, everyone. And also, like, people don't like long podcasts, as we've discovered thanks to our survey for not freewheeling. So, um, I guess we should wrap up by saying, where can people actually (laughs) watch this? So, uh, you can watch it on the home of mountain biking, Red Bull TV, for one of the last times possibly ever because they don't have the rights to mountain biking anymore. But yeah, you can watch it on Rebel TV. (laughs) I'm very sad about the whole thing. Can't talk about it. Um, But crucially, that is free to watch uh, on Rebel TV. And you can Google it and it will come up. And it's free to watch. So there's no barriers to watching that. And yeah, it'll be the Elite Finals. Yeah. And it'll be really, yeah, it'll be a nice vibe to watch over there. But also part of the reason we kind of wanted to talk about mountain biking a bit more is because it will be on GCN and Eurosport. Uh, these worlds and also the World Cups next year so hopefully it'll be in a few more people's uh, radar uh, so yes it will be uh, yeah the elite finals I think of each event will be live uh, and you can watch them and fortunately they're not they're all not too long and I'm not aware that there's any other big race or grand tour or anything going on <laughs> so I don't think there should be anything else that you're watching uh, you can yeah. just focus on this Pretty exactly. sure nothing else. Obviously, no Plue on the weekend. You can skip oh, yeah, the. But yeah, there's nothing else to pay attention to. Then, so I think just tune into Worlds. And yeah, like it is really a good place to start and you get a taste of everything. And hopefully, we've kind of pointed out some riders that you can keep an eye on and a little bit of an explanation about what the hell is going on if you're a through and through roadie. So yeah, we'll be there. Look out for us on TV, crying in the yeah. rain. And oh, no. <laughs> I'm not ready for rain. I didn't pack any clothes for rain. This is not ideal. Yeah. So, yes. But yeah, Um, we hope that you can kind of, yeah, this might inspire someone to tune in. 
honestly, it's, it's really exciting. It's really good to watch. We may have not made it sound that exciting, but it is, so go and watch it at the end. Thank you.